politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow taxpayers, patriots, and peace-loving Americans to the one and only independent conservative news and views talk show here at Blaze Media, the Conservative Review podcast. Uh, We are really happy to be in the house today, as always, but especially today after a late night election night. I got my uh, my Coke bottle here because I need extra caffeine. I'm always up late election night. Actually, for all elections, I'm really not fully into this one. I didn't follow all the news, but there's really a lot to learn from last night. It's not that we learned anything new. It just reaffirms everything we know about politics. Those of you who are veterans of this program, you probably know exactly what I'm going to say, but it's worth reiterating, not just for our new listeners of this growing audience, um, but also because of the times we live in and just who this speaks to. Riddle me this. How is it that Republicans seem to be crushing it When I say Republicans, I mean the issues that Republicans are perceived as fighting for, but not really, and are very conflicted. How is it that liberalism, when it was placed on the ballot last night, decivilization, was roundly defeated even in blue urban majority minority so-called areas? Yet. When it came to Republican candidates, not conservative or liberal issues like a ballot initiative, I'll explain that in a minute, Republicans are continuing to lose ground in white suburbs, even in the state of Mississippi. Most people are going to surround their election analysis around Matt Bevin, the Republican governor's loss in a state like Kentucky. And that's where most of the analysis is. But really, the analysis where it should be is the Republican losses in Virginia and Mississippi. Now, they didn't lose anything in Mississippi. They won everything. But, dude, it's Mississippi. And they lost ground in some areas that are very, that portend problems in more swing states. Juxtaposed to, I'm going to give you, you might not have heard this anywhere. Three successful ballot initiatives that our side, when I say our side, as independent conservatives, won on resoundingly. And the answer is very simple. The average American suburban voter, and really a good chunk of even urban voters, and even, you know, black or Hispanic voters, do not want to embrace MS-13 and Hamas and ban straws. Okay, they don't want that. They don't want garbage products and services that go 100 years back in technology, washing machines that don't work. They don't want to be taxed and regulated into oblivion. They don't want crony capitalism. They don't want healthcare to look like the shelves in a Venezuelan supermarket. They don't want anything the left is pushing. They don't want the crime, the drugs, the gangs, the cartels, the 50 languages in their schools. They don't want that. But nonetheless, 
because Republicans suck. They're incompetent. They're not unified. They have no unifying message. But on the other hand, they are in power, even though Democrats control the House, increasingly larger numbers of state and local governments now, last two years. But the president is everything in people's minds. Mixed in that, and I know I'm going to offend some of you, but yes, Trump's personality is very unpopular. It always was, and it is very, very unpopular. You mix that all together so people are going to vote for an opposition. And voters are very complicated. So they'll often, they will vote for vote for candidates that believe in every one of those things I just mentioned, even though they don't support that. Candidates that want to abolish prison, abolish ICE, abolish Border Patrol. They don't want that, but they'll vote for candidates that are going to do that. Why? Because Republicans suck. They have no message. And because given that Republicans will not provide that bold contrast. I don't mean like one or two candidates here and there running one or two ads. I mean a consistent saturation level drumbeat. The same way Democrats have with their message. So what that does is it lets the Democrats off the hook. It doesn't accentuate and expose and draw attention to their radicalism. So you and I know it. People who are on Twitter all day know it but it doesn't get through their thick skulls. You have a random Joe Smith, Democrat candidate running for county executive, sheriff, prosecutor, county council, state legislator in suburban Virginia on Chesterfield and Hampton Roads. Um, and they, you know, they just say Republicans are corrupt. Trump's doing this, yada, yada, yada. Aren't you upset? And most people are upset with the status quo. Now, you and I don't control the status quo. The status quo is not con conservative. It's the swamp. If we had a consistent message that would run against it, come back to me about the election results. If we had an independent conservative party, and look, even conservatism, the, the label has just been so muddled. If you just focus on the issues, people support us. But we don't have that. We don't have that. So this is how you have a result of Republicans losing, even though our ideas are fine. Most of my colleagues in this business will be focused on, as always, trying to dig their heads into the sand, bury their heads into the sand, and play the denial game. It doesn't help your conservatism to deny that you're not winning. Okay? It doesn't harm your beliefs to recognize that Republicans are losing. If anything, I'm going to prove that our beliefs are actually still popular and they would win. But again, as always, the analogy I always give, in order to get the ball in the end zone when you don't have it there, you need to first recognize that it is not there and you need to get it there. You can't lie to yourself and create an optical illusion as if you're dancing in the end zone with the ball. You're dancing in the end zone without the ball because it's 60 yards back. Trump won in 2016, despite almost every poll saying he was going to lose. So I understand why after that, people thought in their minds like, hey, there's this undercurrent of a silent majority that's always going to vote for the Republican no matter what. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to fight for it. And the polls are wrong. But what we saw consistently is that within a couple months, Trump, particularly his, his persona, 
But this mix that we always say that Republicans are getting all the liabilities of controlling government, but not the benefits, because it's as if they're they're pushing this stuff. The left is motivated and funded beyond anything we've ever seen, as if we are pushing a conservative revolution, but we're not. So we're not jazzing up our side and we're not converting or maintaining independence, suburban moderates in, in terms of our way of thinking that this is the best governing model for safety, security and prosperity. Right? We're not we're not doing that. We didn't do anything. When I say we, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Republican, but the Republican Party that is supposed to, at least based on its written platform, best represent the traditional values, independent conservative views. It's not getting out there to people. So we started to see they were losing one special election after another in a state legislative or congressional race in 2017. They got crushed in the 2017 off-year November elections in November, New Jersey, other places. And, and that's still continuing, and the polling still shows it. But it's not just polling. We had real elections. And, you know, yes, the polls were wrong back then, but that's when Trump was the opposition and the Democrats were in control. It's a polarized country. People are always negative and they're going to, you know, turn against. They're going to blitz and rush whoever has the ball. But likewise, if you have the ball, you can make plays. But if you sit there and you don't make plays, but you give off the impression as if you have the ability and might score endless touchdowns, they're going to blitz you and rush you with all their might. Except we're actually just sitting there and holding the ball. So guess what? You get sacked. And in each play, you lose 15 yards. That's what's happening. That has been what has happened really since the 2016 elections. And that was reaffirmed last night. I want to put Kentucky aside because it's very anomalous in a lot of ways. But if you look at the trend, the trend is very simple. That the rural area, there, there, there's, there's rural, suburban, and urban. Now, it's a little bit more complicated than just those three geographical distinctions. Um, because each one says, I mean, urban and rural are pretty clear. Urban is all, you know, deep blue. Rural is almost always um, deep red now, except for a couple of like hippie areas in um, uh, just anomalous places like like Vermont, um, you know, ma mainly in, the, in in New England and maybe just certain areas that are Indian reservation populations. Aside from that, it's it's solid red. Suburbs are complicated because there's suburbs that are more like urban. There's then there's exurbs, small towns. There's there's different um, things. But the point is, <laughs> there's a heck of a lot more people in urban than rural. Okay, <laughs> the rural rural vote adds up, but it's it's not a lot. Okay, so Republicans always needed to win the suburbs, but the story is they are increasingly losing them without any ability to make that ground up anywhere else, right? That has been, let's forget about the blame for a minute. That is undeniable. That is a trend that we have noticed, we've all noticed. It's both conventional wisdom, but it's also true. Um, the last two years, it was true even when Trump was winning. But the point is, he didn't lose enough of the suburbs to countermand what he gained. But that has all changed. It started out, maybe it's the northern suburbs. Maybe it's these type of suburbs. Now it is every single suburb they are losing ground. Now, look, 
there's different types of suburbs. If it was a traditional suburb that was already purple and swingy, it's gone blue. If it's a light red one, it's gone purple. And if it was a dark red suburb, it's gone light red. So a lot of Republicans, so Republicans lost last night um, control of both houses of the state legislature in Virginia. So for the first time since 1993, Virginia Democrats have trifecta control, the governorship, the House, the Senate. They lost a ton of local races throughout Virginia. Um, They're wiped off the map. Now, my colleagues are going to dismiss it as, oh, that's the D.C. swamp. That's northern Virginia. That's old news. We knew that already. That's true, but it's not true because that that is old news, and that's been happening for a while. What is new the last few years, and increasingly, is that they're losing greater Richmond in central Virginia, Chesterfield, the entire Henrico County, um, Glen Allen. They're losing the Hampton Roads area. Anywhere where there is a city and there's suburbs around it, Anywhere on the map in all 50 states, they are losing. And to me, the really the most important data is um, Mississippi. So Republicans won. There was an open seat. Governor Bryant was term limited. And this guy, Tate Reeves, lieutenant governor, who's a total rhino puke that stands for nothing. Um, he, he won. So Republicans won in Mississippi. Whew, sure glad we didn't lose that. Yeah, okay. But it wasn't overwhelmingly. And there's something called DeSoto County. I'm familiar with it when I was dealing with Chris McDaniel trying to challenge Thad Cochran. That is the breadbasket of Republican votes. Um, so, you know, Republicans obviously win all the rural South, but there's a tremendous population of blacks, African-Americans in Mississippi, the Mississippi Delta, especially in the West. So that's all going to be Democrat. But then there's the Memphis greater suburbs, which is DeSoto County, um, Mississippi, which is just solidly Republican. And what is truly shocking is that in the last governor's election four years ago, um, Governor Bryan carried DeSoto 80 to 19%. That was a Southern suburban white area that's that's the gop base okay 80 to 19 percent and you know it wasn't some you know tiny county with with you know five thousand votes in it it had a lot of people that that's like the heart and soul of what republicans need today or yesterday tate reeves won at 59.39 so it went from a plus 61 republican to just plus 20 41 point spread Madison County, that's the Jackson suburbs. It's um, the area with the highest median household income in the state. Four years ago, Governor Bryant won it by 40. Last night, Republicans won it by 1%. Now, I know some of you say, oh, these wealthy people are relatively wealthy, so there's something wrong, they're getting brainwashed. And there's some truth to that. For the most part, suburban families are not the people running in the streets 
naked at the Antifa rallies. Okay, there. I mean, there is a growing, very radical, disturbing group in this country, and it's it's not an insignificant number of people. It's still a minority. They're not going to vote for us. But these people, there's no reason they should be turned away. There's no reason if we had a smart, independent, conservative message on safety and security and drove it home. I don't mean like, okay, Trump mentions it here and there in a speech. This Republican candidate may be here and there. But everything they do is oriented towards there. Remember, people are busy. Their minds are divided more than ever before. You have to grab them with saturation level um, national debate. So in other words, last night is really where you see what I talk about every week. The difference between the Senate, Republican Senate sitting and doing nothing. Oh, Mitch McConnell, look, Democrats control the House. There's nothing I can do. Even if you don't think you could pass legislation, have budget fights. So, you know, it becomes a brinkmanship. Well, what's the brinkmanship over? These people want to release child molesters into your community and violate federal immigration law, bringing cartels and gangs and drugs. And we're not going to let them do it. And you take hold vote after vote that exposes and accentuates their radicalness. So people understand that when you see candidate John Smith Democrat, you are seeing the release of child molesters. These people want to abolish prisons. But they're not seeing that. They're not seeing that. Well, Daniel, how do you know people agree with us? So some of you might have seen this is Proposition 205. This is really the biggest news from last night, in my view. In Tucson, Arizona, they held a referendum on making the uh, city a sanctuary and barring police officers from inquiring about immigration status of anyone in their custody to ensure that all the criminal aliens of other countries could remain in our country to commit more crimes. So let me just give you a little bit of a background on Tucson here. I'm just going to look this up here, just give you some data. So what we are talking about is, to be very clear, is not Pima County at large, okay? This is the city of Tucson only, meaning if you're only in those precincts, did you vote on Proposition 205? Um, no, nowhere, nowhere else, nowhere else. This is a majority minority um, district, uh, city. There's only 47% as of 2010 were white. I'm sure that number is lower now. Probably you slipped under 45. So it's majority non-white. Um, obviously, the biggest group are, you know, Hispanic descent. That's, that's, that's Tucson. Now, maybe some of you could do homework for me and help me out here. I couldn't find it because there's a lot of county breakdowns of, pre- of the presidential map, the 2016 Hillary versus Trump election results. Um, Hillary won Pima County by 14%. I don't know the margin uh, through which she carried Tucson. But I am telling you, it's likely 30, 40, 50 point margin. Because it's very polarized. Most of the rest of the county is conservative. I mean, there's more moving in that's really turning it blue. It's the city that makes it um, uh, all all blue. I've seen articles that say that some of the precincts were five to one Hillary. But I don't see an overall tally. 
but it's overwhelmingly. I mean, this is a urban majority, urban Hispanic city. Okay. And they're not just voting on any conservative versus liberal issue. They voted on um, something that is the ultimate issue to Hispanics, or so we are told by the political class. This is one of the great contentious issues where there is a protracted and clear debate. So it's not muddled with impeachment, personalities, this, that, soap opera. It's, it's intellectual, very clear. Should we enforce immigration law or not? Everyone knows what sanctuaries are now. It was very clear and, and it was a it was a very it wasn't like, you know, some sometimes you have ballot initiatives that get overshadowed. They're not, this was the enchilada on the ballot. There was a lot of focus, a lot of media attention in the city of Tucson on this thing. The sanctuary initiative was defeated by with 71.4% of the vote. So let's say a Hillary plus 40 city. 71.4% of those voters voted against sanctuary policies. I mean, it's the same thing I say. Hillary carried Montgomery County, Maryland by 55 points. And yet, the county executive, Elrich, is now agreeing in many circumstances to cooperate with ICE after we shined light on, on, their, on their releasing uh, criminals and child molesters and rapists. I, I'll say it again. Democrats cannot sustain a protracted, trained fire on that issue and similar issues that we talk about on safety and security, criminal justice. They cannot. But Republicans are on the other side of it. Republicans are on the other side of it. Their donors are on the other side of it. So Republicans don't push the issue strongly enough. They don't educate people strongly enough about the importance of it. And as a result, Democrats don't feel the heat as much and they are not exposed as much. Again, what gives? In a majority Hispanic urban city, we're winning by 71% on the issue of sanctuaries. Yet, when it comes to even white suburbs in the South, we're losing ground to Democrats who believe in this stuff. What gives? In Prince William County, Virginia, the incumbent Republicans, we warned about this, prosecutor and sheriff were defeated. They supported 287G cooperating with ICE and working to get out criminal aliens, identify them in the jails. Um, they were defeated by Soros, a Soros sheriff and a Soros prosecutor who promised who, who are going to end 287G. But if you go to those voters, there, there's no way, like, somehow, I mean, they're not more blue than Tucson. I mean, Prince William, I think, is slightly more blue than Pima County, but Pima, uh, but Prince William at large versus Tucson City, no, Tucson is more liberal. But no, Republicans fell out of favor. Their brand is, is garbage. Trump's unpopular. Um, Republicans don't stand for anything in Virginia, and they haven't for quite some time. So even if you have individual down-the-ballot candidates, they're going to get swept out that, that, that are for 287G, and they're cooperating. I mean, that's another thing. Even if you, you do have a good candidate, if he can't stand above everyone and define his own legacy, 
like at least at a governor level. We'll talk about that in a minute, a minute with um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is a good example of, of the antidote to this. But even if you're a good candidate, I mean, I don't know, Chip Roy. Chip Roy is an increasingly tough situation in Texas. He's great, but I don't, he's too low down defined by all the other Texas Republican garbage. We need independence. You could, you, you could hit me all you want and complain about me all you want, but you know as well as I do that we will never advance our cause until we have a new party. And it's just a reality. It has nothing to do with Trump. This is true before Trump, and it's going to be true after him. So this dichotomy is unbelievable. Sanctuary politicians winning in Prince William County, sanctuary issue going down to defeat by a three and a half to one majority uh, uh, ratio in majority Hispanic Tucson. That tells me if we actually connected the dots that Joe Sixpack Republican means safety and security and Joe Sixpack Democrat means MS-13, Hamas, and banning straws, if, that, if the candidates on the ballot screamed out to the people's eyes the way the ballot initiatives did, it would be a different country. But in order to do that, you need a party that will do the things we're asking of, that will harness these political fights in, a, in an aggressive and sustained manner. That's the issue. And, um, you know, just a couple more things here. So some people are looking towards um, Virginia, and I know Ann Coulter's out there with the column people are talking about, oh, you see, this is immigration. Immigration is creating a permanent Democrat majority. It's true. I mean, I say it all the time, but you got to be careful. There's two things that are independently true at the same time. That's old news. What is happening recently is they are losing white suburban voters who otherwise naturally are oriented towards our way, but we are needlessly bleeding those voters. So now you could say that, look, in a two-party system, each party kind of falls out of favor and has bad years, but the problem is because of immigration, Democrats are building up an impervious wall. So like these people sometimes will vote for us, sometimes will vote against us. Whereas, you know, if you create a floor of voters that will never vote for you. So then, yeah, I mean, that's it doesn't give you any margin of error. So but that was built in already. I mean, the two things are true at the same time. But I'm just saying you can't blame it all on immigration. It's just stupid because you're going to ignore a parallel and equally as important reality that's that's taking place. Now, um, Kentucky, so, you know, obviously everyone's saying, look, on the one hand, Republicans are losing a governor's race in a state Trump carried by like 30 points. He carried like, I think, I, don't quote me on this, look it up, but something like 118 out of 120 counties. Um, you know, so the answer is, on the one hand, this is so anomalous that it actually doesn't even follow the other trends. Because Kentucky is actually the type of state that we're not going to get hurt in because it is more of a rural, blue-collar state. You have suburbs in Louisville, but 
you know, some other places, but, but generally, I mean, it's more like Missouri, these type of states that are getting redder while blue states get bluer and, you know, purple states are turning blue and light red states are turning purple. Those states will, you know, in a presidential election, they'll be fine. Um, so it is different. And obviously from, you know, Bevin was very unpopular. His personality just never clicked. Not a single, he didn't have not a single Republican ally in the legislature. It's all that that's a case of all politics being local. Bashir's is a household name of traditional blue dog Democrats, even though he's a radical, but they still it, it, it's it's this quirky state where it's still Democrat Party ID. It's very slow to realign, um, even though in a presidential year we'll always vote Republican. And you know, if anything, Bashir's was picking up in, in rural areas in some places too. So it's it's a total different animal, and everyone's rightfully pointing out that if anything, Republicans moved in a positive direction, flipping every other statewide um, elected official there. And my colleagues are taking refuge in that, and that's all valid. And again, my main thing is it's it's what we're seeing throughout every state in the suburbs and Virginia, whatever. It's not Kentucky, but I just will say this: Why is it? that there's an imbalance in politics. In other words, if you look at the red-blue map, and when I define, I define the red-blue map by presidential elections the last three cycles or so. Why is it that every single blue state, the Republicans are done, they're collapsed, they, they can't be competitive on any level, on any way, Democrats have supermajority, every state office, they can't compete no matter how damaged or unpopular the Democrat candidate is. They cannot win. You're not going to get a Republican in governor of California. Whereas when it comes to this, you have those red states where they're still Democrat. Democrats are still competitive in all 50. Almost There's almost not a single state where Democrats can't potentially, with the right formula and right amalgamation of circumstances, be competitive. That is an imbalance you cannot win. And the answer is, again, because Republicans suck. If they would have our message and they wouldn't be about their stupid donors, you would see, you would see those states realigning much quicker the way the blue states is. Remember, historically, it was more the North that was Republican. The South was Democrat. Rural was Democrat. There's, there's exceptions. It does depend on the state, and that, that's a whole political scientific discussion but generally speaking that's how it was it flipped over time but what for presidential elections but what happened was whereas blue states they became blue like california it wasn't just the president it's everything just the republican party collapsed these other states democrats are very competitive i mean you know they're running competitive races for uh even for federal office in, in some of these Senate races. I mean, they're very competitive in Georgia. I don't mean like, oh, there might be an outside chance. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a dogfight. Um, they, they contested Mississippi. I, don't, I mean, I don't have the exact results, but what was it, like 55-45? I mean, it wasn't overwhelming. So um, that's the imbalance. I'm, I'm just warning you, if your point is Democrats are radical and crazy, voters are going to reject them, um, vote Republican, see no evil, hear no evil, nothing's wrong. 
you're stu- you're not advancing our agenda and you're not i mean you're you're not helping anyone by denying that because you cannot win with this imbalance now to be very clear this is all before the presidential election this is all you know since trump won and has been in power so it's all a referendum on trump's personality so what this dichotomy between the voters voting on issues versus voters voting for people is is accelerated more um is aggravated by the fact that democrats don't really have to put themselves out there it's just a generic vote against trump but the minute they nominate a specific human being someone had a great line and it wasn't a conservative it was like a just a, one of these um media people but i think he had a great line that um, a tree trunk could defeat Trump, but that's the problem. You can't nominate a tree trunk. <laughs> they have to nominate a person, and that person then is going to be very focused on, and then the radicalism is going to come out. And then, you know, so it, it could realign back, and, and enough of these suburban voters who Trump was still able to maintain that coalition that voted for him in 2016, but has been turned off since then, could wind up picking the lesser of two evils in their mind and coming back to him. But we can't hope for that. We have to ensure of it. And that starts by not lying to yourself that you don't have a problem with voters. But again, the problem is not with our issues. It's not with Trump's issues. I mean... With Obama, it was once said that people never signed on to his issues. Obamacare was very unpopular, you know, but his personality was popular for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, with Trump, it's the opposite. The policies really are popular um, in, in the right shell of a person, but his persona is unpopular. So that's with that. But, I mean, you see this all over the place. I have an article out today. There's more ballot initiatives. Washington State. So we've talked a lot. Washington State is loony, completely loony, right? That's Antifa. Seattle, King County, Antifa. They had a ballot initiative last night, and that was very heavily funded by the big education, big, you know, racial huckster groups to institute affirmative action. Believe it or not, despite being a liberal state, it's one of eight states that actually has affirmatively banned affirmative action. So they had a ballot initiative that would have permitted um, affirmative action in the context of employment and education. Now, it went down. Now, it, it only was defeated narrowly by about three, three and a half points. But number one, it was defeated in 36 of 39 counties. So it was pretty uniform, with the exception of King County, obviously, and two others, I don't know. Um, but but it's, it's more than that. The ballot language was very moderate. The language of the ballot initiative was, would you allow the state to remedy documented or proven discrimination? And it, it added in that it does not use quotas or preferential treatment. Now, you and I know that does not reflect what the Democrat politicians on the ballot believe in and want. We know what they want. 
we know they want yes quotas and yes even when there is no grounds no um evidence of discrimination you could imagine what the polling would look like even in washington state and remember washington is not a state we need to win to win nationally even in blue states issues are winning even in red states republicans are losing what gives republicans suck that's what gives if you had sustained fights over these issues you would win next thing texas everyone's worried about texas right is that turning purple um beto o'rourke extremely liberal the entire decivilization all left agenda whether it's guns whether it's crime whether it's immigration whether it's socialism, you name it, this guy's nuts. Okay, just completely nutso. So, um, what's the deal with him? He won, he came within, I forget, three, four points of Ted Cruz. A heck of a lot of Republicans and independents in Texas voted for him. Is 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 Texas? Are are these people suddenly like you know, just uh, cutting off their you know what's and dancing around naked with it with Antifa? Are they somehow getting MS thirteen tattoos? No. They had a ballot initiative on the ballot to ban a state income tax. So at present there is no state income tax, but they wanted to strengthen it. Um, some conservatives in the legislature pushed to get this on the ballot to basically make a constitutional amendment. So the consequence is it's not just, oh, we don't have a a state income tax at this point. It would make it essentially impossible to ever have one. So that's a very strong statement. You might think we'll generally oppose it, but we might have create, you know, extenuating circumstances. No, no, you're saying we will never have it. You, You would need a scenario where two thirds of both houses of the legislature would agree to undo it in order to then pave the road to pass one. So that's what they put on the ballot. It passed 75 to 25%. Think about it. Beto O'Rourke wants to, like, the stuff he said about taxing people's rear ends off, and and yet 75% of Texas voters are saying, I never, ever want even a 1% state income tax. What gives? Republicans suck. That's what gives. Democrats are so radical. Yes, they are changing people. Yes, we have the demographic problem. In the past, they would have 0.001% support for their stuff. Now, depending on the issue, they'll have anywhere from 10 to 35% supporting their radical stuff. But they do not have 51%. And some issues, we have a majority and a supermajority in deep blue areas if you would if you would ballot them, pull them on specific issues. So any sane party would take a look at last night's dichotomy and say, I am going to go pedal to the metal to ensure that in the minds of voters, the names on the ballot look exactly like those issues. Now, I understand it's never going to be a one-to-one ratio, a perfect 
um, seamless um, association of issues with people because personality does matter. Um, that's always going to matter. But we are increasingly polarized where people do vote for parties. So you have to make it that people associate your party with that. So then it, you know, goes, it trickles down to all candidates. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. Maybe we'll read from this tomorrow or, or Friday, but I, I wrote up a whole, just a very rough draft of notes of a, a, a new contract with America, Taxpayer Bill of Rights that weaves together, you know, prosperity, um, safety, security, preservation of culture. And, you know, look, if I knew people rejected that, they knew it, they knew what we stand for. They know what the left stands for and they want the left. I'd be at peace. This is God's plan. This is um, the prophecies being fulfilled. This is the end of times. And, uh, you know, we're getting closer to uh, the moment. Uh, Zechariah 14, God uh, plants his feet on, on the Mount of Olives and splits the mountain and reveals himself. And this is the way of doing it. You know, I'm at peace with that. But I'm just not at peace with it because I just don't think that's true. I just don't think it's there yet. I'm allowing for the fact that there's a lot of people brainwashed. There's a demographic problem. There's an education problem. Maybe the median of the country is not where a lot of this audience is. But it sure as heck is not where the Democrats are taking them. But they're winning nonetheless. And they're winning voters that Republicans are criminally ne negligent in leaving. Let me... um leave you with this uh well two two more things two more things i just gotta get a drink here because uh losing my uh losing my voice so another data point that i think proves our thesis here is ron DeSantis. ron DeSantis is at 71 percent approval and 81 or 82 percent approval among Hispanic voters. Hispanic voters in Florida support mandatory E-Verify to ensure that illegal aliens aren't hired by 74 percent. There, a governor, especially a Florida governor, is very prominent. He defines the state. So everyone knows, first of all, he, he aggressively pushed an anti-sanctuary bill. It was a notorious fight. He picked a legislative fight, harnessed the news cycle, etched it in the minds of the voters. So, so the voters know the issue. They know what's at stake. They know Republicans are for this, even though a lot of them really aren't. But DeSantis is the leader and the governor. He dragged them across. They know the Democrats are opposed to it. And that's where they are. And, that, and they're now pushing E-Verify. Voters support it. But we don't have that in most other states. We don't have Ron DeSantis's. And we don't, have, we don't have this at a federal level. Which brings me back to my final point, my analogy, and I want to use Matt Bevin and, um, and Kentucky. Now, you know, look, I originally helped recruit him to run against Mitch McConnell in the Senate primary because I wanted to knock off McConnell, since then, he's become super libertarian. And he's become one of the leaders in jailbreak, which is really much to my consternation. He's, he's I mean, he's, he's like Cory Booker on this issue. No, no difference. Abolish prison, basically. 
Now, look, I want you to be very clear of the argument I'm making. I'm not going to be a hustler and a hack and say, oh, my agenda is what... No, no, no. The, the election had nothing to do with that. Um, he didn't lose because he supported jailbreak. He lost because the whole fight with the, the, the teachers and the pensions and his, uh, his persona was never a fit and he didn't have allies. It was a perfect storm. Bashir was the best type of candidate historically for Kentucky. All, all that stuff. Lots of stuff going on. there. It wasn't about jailbreak. I'm not making it about that. But that is my point. It wasn't about jailbreak. Because Bevin supports it, it took the issue off the table and he certainly didn't say, wait a minute. You guys support what? You Bashirs want to do what? Voters, hey, you better... This guy's going to have... I mean, you, you run Willie Horton ads left and right. I have cases in Kentucky I could have given him. When you have a boxing match, unless one person is significantly at, at an advantage um, weight or strength-wise or skill-wise, you know, you're, you're pretty much evenly matched. So... Not throwing a punch is losing. You can't afford to miss an opportunity because he's going to punch. He is going to land some punches. So you have to throw every punch and take every opportunity and seek every opening you have. Democrats do that. If they see an opportunity to expose or lie about, sometimes truthfully truthfully or not truthfully, paint Republicans as out of touch or radical or corrupt, they will do it. They will not like, hey, Republicans are doing something that like pulls 10% in the polls. I think we're just going to ignore that. They will shove it down your throats. So you have to, if you are in trouble, what you have to do, like let's say you get in trouble with the pension thing, what you have to do is you have to hit them on things like jailbreak. And that's the thing. Voters don't even know this is going on. Nobody wants it. Suburban voters, do you think they want these guys running through their neighborhoods? Are you kidding me? That is the number one issue to pick up suburban voters. Safety. Even if culturally you think some of them are starting to get into the, to the left. And, and that's the beauty. I, I'm sick of this. Oh, I think this is a losing issue. I think, no, no, no. You stand for all of it. Fiscal, social, national security, conservatism. Now, it has to be properly defined, which is a whole other issue. But what you do is, yes, there are tough issues. There's inveterate constituencies. There's dependency. There's parasites. There's special interests. E- even a good independent conservative party, our dream party, we're going to run up against the media. We're going to run up against the NGOs. We're going to run up against the moneyed interest. It's, it, nothing's going to be a picnic. Then you got the demographic problems of, of 50 years of stupid immigration policies. Yes, it's going to be a problem. But that proves my point. So you can't afford to hold back and, and not hit them and not run on issues that you know are not just vital to public policy, but also auspicious uh, electoral issues as well. So that's my two cents or more than two cents. Take it or leave it. Send me a note at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com whether you agree or disagree um, with my comments. If you have more to add to prove to this um i value your input as always this is a group effort this is a movement it is not just a show like our videos at youtube uh conservative review youtube channel drop me a comment if you want and we'll have our editors uh respond um want to try to get back to some of the other news of the day the cartel warfare and things like that 
But dude, I mean, everyone's all about elections. So at least we should learn the right message of elections. And that message is, quite simply, that every day between elections, we need to make it very clear what it is we believe in and what it is our opponents believe in. And we need voters to know that. The problem is, who is the we? If we are conservative souls trapped in the tainted body of the wretched Republican Party. I know it's an unsettling thought, but that is really the question you and I need to answer together. And we'll try to find that with God's guidance and God's providence. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. Thank you for listening.